think I'm on. I'm on. I'm on. Well, it is good to be once again back and uh, such a blessing this day and and uh, the couple of days that I'll be able to uh, be in the city and, of course, to be with you this morning and this night. That is really a wonderful thing. I truly appreciate the, uh, the help with the, uh, the wireless microphone. Uh, this is a uh, kind of a simple situation that we have, much simpler than your situation here. Uh, bring it up higher. 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 Okay. Are we regulated? Not really. Can we hear me? Maybe it's my powerful voice is really the problem here. <laughs> Roy Thompson would not have this problem. <laughs> Neither would, would Brother Clayton. Uh, but anyway... I have the problem, but uh, I thank you for solving a problem for us that we just needed a very simple uh, to get signal from where I preach to where the little people are, and the little people need to be where the little people need to be, and, uh, but the big people need to hear the sermon, and uh, so uh, this helps us to do that, and I'm really, it feels like I'm, we're getting more equipment than Maybe we deserve or something, but uh, uh, the Lord knows that, and I sure appreciate it, and uh, it helps us to, uh, to have good order and to do what we uh, need to do. So, uh, thank you. And uh, let's open in the Bible, please, to Romans chapter 12, and tonight I basically have uh, a Bible study, I guess, uh, call this a Bible study, and I, I've been working on this for, uh, really, for two years in the sense of the ideas, the basic uh, ideas here are, are about that long, and, and uh, uh, I don't know that I've brought all the pieces together fully, but maybe the Lord helped at the, at the uh, last here, uh, but I believe that there's, because it's the Word of God and because it's a particularly important part of the Word of God, uh, I hope and trust that the Lord will bring value here to us and, and give us something that we all uh, need. And so, uh, Romans chapter 12, did I say Romans chapter 12? And uh, I'm going to read three verses, the first three verses of the chapter, which are very, very familiar, uh, especially the first two, of course. I'm sure you've heard some great sermons right sitting where you are from this pulpit on uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And uh, uh, sometimes we, we don't hear so much uh, going to verse 3, uh, which is really as important, uh, we'd have to say, uh, if nothing else, because it follows on verses 1 and 2, uh, that indicates that we're staying on, on high ground and important uh, things that are important to all Christians and uh, that, that they be in the right order for us. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, but we're mainly going to be uh, looking at verse 3 and try to understand it better and uh, trust that there will be good for us uh, in doing so. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this meeting tonight when we can open the word of God and when we can uh, take up a precious part of scripture. Lord, the first two verses here are ones that we've often memorized, maybe early in our Christian lives, and, and they still mean very much to us. But nearby in the next verse is verse 3, and Lord, we just pray that you might help us to have more light on this verse and its meaning in its place. And Lord, that these things also would be order in, our own, in order in our own lives and in our own hearts, that all would be done to the glory of God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to speak as I should tonight, that you would give me uh, an especial help, Lord, to simply bring the pieces together that you've given me over some time, and, and Lord, that they would be right and true, and that we just would be faithful to the meaning that you have in your word, because we just can't do better than that. So I pray your assistance in that, and I pray your blessing upon us that we might have ears to hear, and Lord, that you would help me to, to speak uh, correctly and truthfully about your word and from your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, verses 1 and 2 are, are foundational. Uh, they, they speak about the, the most important and basic duties of the Christian life. Uh, really, our surrender to God in verse 1, to present our, ourselves, our bodies, to a living sacrifice to God. And to do so is simply a reasonable and right thing for us to do. Uh, <clears throat> while we understand at the same time that we're, as a Christian and entering into the Christian life, we're in a process of transformation. Things are changing. From the day that we get saved, there, there's a dramatic change immediately. We pass from death unto life. And there's a process that is ongoing and continuing uh, uh, over every day as we, as we are transformed from in our thinking from the way that we thought before, from the way that we receive from the world to the ways that we receive from the Word of God. And we just need to understand that be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, our, of your mind. And so our minds are going to be in a process of being retaught and, and re-instructed and our thinking uh, made new from what we may have thought before and the way we may have looked at things, with the purpose being to prove or do what is that acceptable and perfect uh, will of God, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, that's to say that our mind, originally being far from God and being not, not having knowledge of the Word of God, especially if we were not brought up in a Christian context, uh, we, our, our mind needs to be changed by the word of God into understanding the truth of God, to see ourselves as we should, to see our, our world as, as we should, to love God as we should, uh, and to, to simply understand in a, in a true and right way. And so we understand that this process of transformation is, is, is an ongoing work. And our, never, our mind never gets so renewed that it, it's not going to be changed still more. Because the, the world is rooted deep and the sin nature is rooted deep. And so the transformation uh, is going to continue. 
But verse 3 is really no less foundational than this point of surrender and then this transformation. Uh, It's it's no less foundational to uh, the Christian life. And uh, uh, we see that further in the chapter, the Christian is getting connected to his place or her place in in the, the local church, in the in the body of Christ, we're, we're seen in that place. And we need to have a right mind about ourselves for that to be uh, f- for us to take our place and for us to to do the ex- good and acceptable and, and perfect will of God. Uh, this is very important. So if we look at it this way, real simply, uh, verse one is you, you can see is sort of about our body presenting ourselves, including our uh, all of our energy and all of our ability and, and our, our life, we're, we're presenting ourselves to God. And, and verse 2 is talking about our mind, right? Because we're talking about how we think. Often, we, not often, but always, we come uh, to Christ with a, with a mind that's shaped by the world and needing to be reshaped according to the Word of God. So it's about your mind. And uh, verse three, if I could, I don't like this word because it's not a biblical word, but I think it maybe fits what verse three is talking about. It's, it's talking about what we might call our ego. That's how we think about ourselves. I don't mean it in some uh, deep, uh, or maybe I do mean it in some, maybe I mean it in a deeper sense than, than a psychologist would mean. Uh, but our, our sense of ourselves, and uh, because that's what's talked about here. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is m- among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So it really is about how we think about ourselves, right? So if I don't like the word ego because it's really not a Bible word, uh, but we'll, let's, we'll and I probably won't use it again, but we just have that idea of how we're looking at ourselves and how we're understanding ourselves and conceiving of ourselves. And the, the Bible's telling us, or telling particularly, because we've got to take this particularly in context, at least at first, as Paul writes to the, uh, the uh, church at, at Rome, he says to them, not to think of themselves above that ye are able. And I think we can understand a little bit of this, why this particular message of being careful about not thinking of themselves too highly, because at this time there were given supernatural spiritual gifts that were very unusual, sign gifts, gifts that were uh, for that period of time and which have, have passed away, but which were being given very liberally and abundantly by the Spirit of God in church meetings. And so uh, we had situations where uh, heathen people and, of course, Jews that had had turned to Christ with them. But uh, uh, the whole gamut and range of of uh, people that were becoming Christians, including simple heathens or idol worshipers and no small numbers of of slaves, because we see them spoken to and uh, often enough in the scripture and spoken of. Uh, we we see them uh, coming with their minds blinded and following idols and worship and following the ways of this world. And suddenly their eyes are opened and they're turned from darkness to light. 
And uh, not only are they turned from darkness to light, but they're given amazing spiritual gifts simply in the meetings of the of the local churches at this time. And uh, so a, a person who would would be, uh, let's say, a tradesman or a laborer, uh, and because the Bible says not many mighty, not many noble are called. And so we have indication that that the churches were uh, many times just uh, not the, the the ruling elite. They were they were a simple uh, blend of people that we might encounter ourselves. Uh, and but uh there were also among them some that were, let's say, golden tongued, right? Because that was valued in these days. It was uh, it was esteemed in the in these times that a person speak with a certain kind of rhetoric and use certain forms and and that it, they have a, a very high way of speaking. And so some of people like this were. Uh, were being saved and also valued at this time were were people that had a, a fine appearance. It's not only valued then, it's valued, I suppose, at many times, including in ours. Uh, and in other words, there were some in the church, in the churches, that were what we would call somebody. They were not uh, slaves. They were not uh, simple laborers. They were people that would have some position, that would have some... Uh, esteem already before they come uh, to uh, to Christ and they are given having those advantages just in the flesh. They are then given spiritual gifts on top of that. And so they're there. We're taking people that are uh, have some advantages, as we'd say, or just uh, after the flesh. And now they are given along with that uh, spiritual uh, gifts. And there was a real danger uh, that people of maybe along that entire range of the positions of life, and it's not that we're looking down on someone that's low or putting someone up high, we're just saying that there is such a range. Uh, And uh, there's a a danger that people would begin to, or some, would begin to think of themselves above that they were able. Think too highly of themselves, we would say. And uh, and they would begin to compare themselves with themselves among themselves. And who who had this uh, natural maybe talent or or this natural position and then who had a a particular spiritual gift uh, on top of that. And uh, in in Corinth, not in Rome, but in Corinth, uh, there was a real problem that Paul had with these kind of people. Uh, as they came into the church and and it had advantage in their in their natural position and their gifts or or maybe where their attainments how where they were born from a uh, family that had wealth or or some power and there was a real battle with this whole matter of who a person thinks that they are before kind of in the flesh and then added on top of this spiritual gifts. And the, uh, the Bible tells us here that uh, Paul is speaking to this problem, this issue. And you've got to follow me here. This is not uh, maybe the, the simplest uh, message I've, I've ever even I, I've ever preached. And I've preached some not very not overly simple messages. But uh, in any case, uh, but uh, Paul is telling 
the uh, Romans, the, the Christians in Rome, that they are to measure themselves carefully and to measure themselves soberly and that they are to measure themselves according, according to verse three, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's the measure to take of ourselves is the measure of faith. And we have an understanding here that God has dealt to different people. And you have to follow just follow all this through here, okay? because this is where uh, a little different understanding. I'm trying to shift my own understanding is shifted and I, I want to share this shift with you. OK, uh, and so I was I didn't understand this at first. Right. At first, I thought this was, well, the amount of faith. Right. So God has dealt to every man the measure, the amount of faith. And that was strange because God was giving to some more faith. He was giving to, to others less faith. And that seemed troubling. Uh, I, I, I couldn't quite square that. Uh, but really what it's saying is that to me is dealt one measure that I am to measure myself by. To you is dealt another measure that you are to measure yourself by. And I think uh, I think you can see where how this will be when we go a little bit further here. And uh, uh, I got studying this and how I got to, to seeing it this this way is that the word here that's measure right uh, is according as God hath dealt to every man, the measure of faith. If you look at that, uh, it, it can mean also what you measure something with. So when you when you go to to uh, it's like a ruler, if you go to measure something small, you take a ruler and you lay the ruler along uh, the object that you're trying to measure and you see how how long it is or how wide it is. Or you take a yardstick if the if it's a little bit bigger, right? You're measuring with the measuring stick, small measuring stick, a bigger measure stick, measuring stick. Maybe if you're measuring a room, you get out a big tape measure. Right. And out it goes and it runs and it runs and it runs. And you're taking the, the measure of the room by the measure of the, the tape measure. And what the Bible is telling us here, I think, and uh, uh, is that we are to measure ourselves by a measure that God has distributed to us. We have a measure that we are to measure ourselves by. Each of us. And uh, the the. I don't want to be a Greek guy again, because it's going to sound like I'm always being Greek, uh, but there's something about that there in the idea of measure. And I think we'll see a uh, parallel scripture that will kind of close this so that I'm not a wild man here. Uh, and uh, it's also what the English seem to say, because it's just saying, don't measure yourself uh too highly, right? But measure this way, according to the measure that God has given to you. I mean, that's just what it says, right? According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, understanding that measure can, can and actually does mean what you measure something with. It's like a meter. The actual word is meter, metron, or something like this, but it's something you measure something with. Okay. And uh, I... But this also seems strange, 
different measures for different people? I mean, how can this be, right? I mean, different faith for different people, some more, some less. Uh, the, the measure of faith, that was a problem. And, but this also seemed to be a problem. But, but then Paul said this. And let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us. A measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. And so Paul here does speak of our measure. That means Paul's and those who labored with Paul. And speaks of the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us. And the, the word rule also has to do with something you measure with. The actual, the, the word is the word we get canon, canonical, is how you measure. We call the 66 books we have in our Bible, that's the canonical Bible, right? The Catholic Bible has the, uh, has the uh, Apocrypha in it, has more books. Those are not canonical. They don't measure as being God-inspired. They don't. They're not canonical. They're not scriptural. They don't meet them. They me, you measure them and they, they're, they're short or inadequate or small or whatever you want to say. They're not God-breathed, so they don't go in. Well, the measure of the rule here is the measure of the measure, the measure that you take the measure, the measuring stick you take the measure with. And Paul says that he has his own rule, his own measuring stick which God distributed to him same word as dealt in in Romans chapter 12 so God dealt to every man the measure of faith God distributed to Paul the measure the the measure of the rule which he was carrying out so the measure for for Paul was to preach the gospel to the gentiles this is this is and to keep going out farther and farther from the Jewish area, the Jewish, uh, the Middle East, and out into the European world, and out into Asia. And by that measure, by that rule, he had come to Corinth, preached to Corinth. And uh, <clears throat> he had come and he had preached the gospel there, verse, verse 14. Uh, and that was the measure. For Paul was simply, this was God's good and acceptable and perfect will for him was to preach the take the gospel to the Gentiles and to go where others had not gone before him. And had he carried out God's will, had he had he done God's good and acceptable and perfect will to this point? Well, yes, he had. It had brought him that measure had brought him to Corinth and God's will. Verse 15 uh, not boasting of things without our measure. So we're still talking about measure. So he's continuing to talk about the same thing, right? He's got his measure. 
that God has given him, and he's measuring himself by that measure and thinking about himself and his work and, and uh, that way, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule, our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. And so Paul is looking at the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for him, which was to take the gospel out as far as Corinth and to just keep going. That was what he was to do. And meanwhile, in Corinth, in verse 12, there were other people that were taking another measure of things. Right? Paul has this measure, which is God has told me to, to turn them from, light, from darkness unto light uh, and, and to, to bring the light of the gospel to them. But meanwhile, in Corinth, there were other people taking another measure. Chapter 10, verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number... Or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So they were measuring themselves and making themselves one another the measure. So this this person who had some talent or whatever position and now had a spiritual gift on top of it, he's measuring others by that measure. Of himself and saying, well, that person doesn't have the gifts that I have, doesn't have the the wonderful speech that I have, doesn't have the appearance that I have. I mean, I'm wonderful, I suppose, is what the conclusion is here. And uh, uh, to Paul, in one sense, it didn't matter to him that uh, uh, that. that others were looking at him the way that they were. They, they even looked at Paul, measuring themselves by themselves. They look at Paul in verse 10, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Hmm. So they're looking at one another, and I look pretty good, they're saying to themselves. And not only that, because look how... I mean, I mean, listen to the rhetoric. I mean, listen to these, you know, uh, the, the fine words that the Romans valued very, very highly. And, and so they spoke very well uh, by the measure of the time. And not only that, they had a, a, an amazing appearance that was fine and strong and like a statue. And then there's Paul. Poor, miserable Paul who had some kind of a thorn in the flesh. And I don't know where... Maybe he, he had very poor eyesight. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure you, you've, you've heard the speculations about what the problem might have been, but it certainly affected how he looked to others. So that someone could look at him, and especially from this proud Roman statue type of viewpoint, and just look at him and go... Just look at that. I mean, just look at... And he, they're looking at the apostle to the Gentiles. They're looking at, at, 
a man that God had used in just a, a great and marvelous way, but their, their measure of things was so far off that they could measure themselves so highly that they look at Paul and they go, I mean, just look. I mean, it's a very amazing and a very distressing situation. And in one sense, it wouldn't matter to Paul what they thought. In one sense, it didn't matter at all. I mean, what did it matter what, what someone else was saying when he was measuring himself by the true measure, which was the ministry that God had given him? The problem was that those folks that were looking at him that way were in the church. And they had this attitude about themselves that they had these, these already advantages maybe by birth or by education or by wealth or by training so that they spoke in, the, in the, exactly the right way. And people were saying, wow, I'm really impressed with that guy. I want to align with him. I'm in his group because he's the most impressive one that we have. And someone else is saying toward this other one that's also judging the same way and saying, well, I, too, am uh, such and such a great one. And all of a sudden, the church is divided and it's got struggles and people are aligned with one against another, and, and it's a very, very dangerous situation that Paul had more trouble dealing with than any of the other problems, of which there were many in Corinth. You see? And so this became uh, a, a matter of, of real uh, importance to him. But the, so in that sense, he had to pay attention. And in that sense, he had to write the whole rest of the letter and go to extremes in what he had to say about his own qualifications so that people would follow him as he followed Christ and not follow these great ones as they followed themselves. Really, that's a real problem because uh, to, I mean, it was a, if it was a problem for Paul, I'm not saying it's a problem here, I, I have no indication or not the slightest sense of that, but still, this is what the, uh, what the Bible's telling us. The true measure, the point is this, Paul could say, well, I don't care what they think about me, I'm just going to carry on my ministry. The problem was that these folks that were measuring themselves in the wrong way, not soberly, above that they, ought, that they were able, they were starting to really... Uh, endanger the church and and kind of tear it up. And uh, it was such a danger that Paul had to go again to extremes so that they would just remember he is the apostle that God gave great revelations to. If nothing else, he didn't even want to talk about it, that he was taken up into the third heaven and shown things and spoken things that men cannot utter. I mean, just so that they would respect him and listen to him. It was it became a great problem. But the true measure, he says here, is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for them. And if, if these folks in, in, the, in the church that had these advantages and were lifting themselves up and saying, well, I'm this and I'm that, if, if, they, would, uh, if they would simply take the right measure of themselves and say, well, 
what is the will of God for me to do? I have a spiritual gift. I maybe along with everything else, I've been given the, the gift of prophecy. Well, then, how am I doing in prophesying? With everything else, I've been given a gift to minister. Well, how am I doing with ministering? And as soon as these same ones that were having all of these problems and causing all of these problems, once they would concentrate on what God had given them actually to do, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for them, they could be useful again. They could be used and fulfill what God was giving them the gift for. You see? And uh, that would be wise. Comparing themselves among themselves and judging themselves by each other, that was very unwise. It would be sober instead of kind of drunken maybe with themselves. Sometimes we say somebody can be drunk with themselves or they're kind of drunk with themselves. Uh, Really, well, this would sober them up just to look at the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for them and to see to that. Let the rest of it go, right? Whether, Whether thinking high, whether thinking low, it doesn't matter. What is the good and acceptable will of God for me? And see to that, which is really what Paul said back in Romans chapter 12. We'll just take a quick look there. While we're taking a quick look there, I'm going to hope for hydration here. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, chapter 12, verse 6, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. So whatever it is that God had given them to do, they ought to do that. And see to that one thing. See to what God had given them to do. The good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not to think of themselves above that they're able. Not to compare themselves among themselves, either for better or for worse but to just see to the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and take that measure. That would be a right and a true measure for them. And that, brethren and cistern, is the measure for us of ourselves. Is the good an acceptable and perfect will of God for us. Because God has distributed to every one of us that measure of faith. Now, why is it a measure of faith? It's a measure that we're to take our... That's how we judge ourselves. How are we doing with the will of God? That's the question. Right? Are we doing the will of God? The good and acceptable and perfect will of God for our lives? For us. Well, it's called a measure of faith. According as God had hath dealt or distributed when Paul spoke in the other place, uh, the measure of faith. Well, it's by faith that we're going to carry out the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and only by faith. That's the only way. 
Because very soon and very quickly, we're hitting on the ends of ourselves. And that doesn't matter. Because where we end, God begins. That's the point. And it's by faith that we carry beyond ourselves and beyond what we would imagine that we're, that we're capable of doing. And we don't have to imagine how capable or incapable we are. We just have to worry about that rule, uh, the measure of faith that God, and take that measure of ourselves. Don't worry about compare ourselves with ourselves, with somebody else, with some ideal, with some conception we've got in our mind, with anything else. Just see to the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the only question is, how are we doing with that? We don't compare work with work, right? I don't compare myself with, uh, with your work here. I'd go nuts. I'd quit. I'd get discouraged. I don't say I don't say I don't get discouraged. And I'm not. I don't. I actually don't get very discouraged. I get confused. <laughs> I get major confused, like you wouldn't believe. But I'm just saying, for me to compare, or for a preacher to compare himself with, you know, goes down to Oklahoma, Southwest Baptist Church. Wow. Well, we don't compare ourselves with ourselves. We compare ourselves with the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for us. And we stop it there. And we ask ourselves, how are we doing with that? And uh, so only by faith, only by faith. It's a measure, but it's a measure of faith. Because it's by faith that we reach to what God has, and it's a reaching, right? It's, it's out there. It's not, I mean, it's really not about us because we stop real soon, real soon, distressingly soon. And, and that, that's where God can begin. And it's in that understanding that this is going to take faith and that there are real limits that, that, uh, that, that we've got, and we don't have to worry about the limits, but I'm just saying that we're going to have that sense of, wow, you know, <laughs> am I up to this? Uh, or or uh, many, many, just many different thoughts. Uh, we can understand the apostles at another interesting moment that I think also is kind of a parallel to what we've been talking about. And... Uh, uh, there was a time when they were already well into their training in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And they'd begun to, to get a sense of the ministry that that the Lord was preparing them for and realizing that it was very large. Right? They, they'd met spirits they, that the Lord said cast them out and they, they couldn't cast them out. Right? They, they couldn't do what, what they were even given the power to do. They found, they found many, many limitations. And uh, uh, even simple things that the Lord told them would be part of what they had to do would... They were finding to be difficult. Chapter 17, verse 3. 
The Lord told them, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So there would be situation where, uh, where a, a brother would, would do wrong, or they would feel wronged, and they would deal with, they, they, they were supposed to deal with their brother, deal with their other Christian, to, to deal with that offense, to deal with that problem, with that offended feeling that they themselves had, that they were experiencing, and, and to work through that. Not let it go, not let it build up, not let it fester, but deal with it. That in itself is not an easy thing to do, is it? It's a lot easier to just say, well, let it, we'll let it go. Because to talk to somebody about a problem, it can, be, it can be pretty hard. And not only that, when the person says that, that uh, they repent, that they did the wrong and they didn't mean it, then, then you're to forgive them. Hmm. Also, not so easy, right? You're offended, right? You've been wronged. And, and uh, uh, so you, you've, you've gone to the person, you've explained the offense that you feel. The person says, well, I repent of that. And, and the Lord says, well, forgive them. And if that happens seven times in a day, and he says, I, rep- I repent, and I'm sorry I did that, I shouldn't have done that, then you forgive them seven times in a day. At which point the apostles say, really? And they say, Lord, increase our faith. says, I don't see how to do that. I'm offended once, let alone seven times in the day. And I'm supposed to uh, forgive and I'm supposed to work with the person. I'm supposed to go to them. I'm supposed to try to make it right. I'm supposed to get an understanding. And if they, as they repent, they apologize. I forgive them. And it happens seven times more. I mean, that's beyond me. And that's about, beyond just about anybody if you think about it. It's hard to forgive once, isn't it? Well, try seven times in one day. Right? But that's what the Lord is telling them. And so they're understanding. And, and this is instruction. This is what they're going to need to do. And so the Lord says, increase our faith. Now, what's, what's interesting here uh, is they're going to need God's help to do this. Right? There's no way that they have their own flesh nature because I, I'm offended. I mean, I, I'm hurt. And, and I need to, you know, I, 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 let's fix this. I need to. I, I, and so they say, Lord, increase our faith, which meant that, you know, Lord, give us more faith. Right, we're going to need more faith to, to be able to forgive. But what's interesting is the Lord answers this request. He says, Lord, increase our faith. But what does he do? He puts them back on the measuring stick. He puts them back on the right measuring stick of themselves. And 
look, look at this here in verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So that's some indication. It's not really about the amount of faith. And, and here is the answer to the request, verse 7, But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, When he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, Till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. The Lord answers this this request by reminding them that they are servants. It's all a lesson in being a servant, isn't it? And uh, it's a lesson in in servant obedience. It's a lesson it's a lesson in doing the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In perfect, one of the ways that we can understand perfect, it's kind of all of it. Right? It includes all the parts. When something's perfect, it, it, the basic meaning is that all the parts are there. It's the, the full form. Just, just be a full and complete, just be a servant altogether. See to that. Do, that's what you need to do. Because if you think about it as, of a servant, well, uh, servants worked all day. And uh, plowing or feeding cattle, and uh, time comes in from the field, but nobody tells him, "Well, time for go and have dinner." Right? Time you work. Oh, you've worked so hard. You you go and have dinner. No, because the servant has other service to do, and will not rather say unto him, "Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drinken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink." They needed to serve in the field. They needed to come into the house, and there was, there, was, there was other service to do there. And they needed to do that. They needed to do the first. They needed to do that. They didn't need to expect thanks. They're servants. They're servants. And again, servant is kind of a, an, a, an old idea that, that is even kind of hard to find in our world. But Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So it's not for the thanks. He, there, the servant serves because he's a servant. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, see that you do all of the will of God. Do the entire good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do that. See that you are doing that in the field. In the house, not for thanks, not for honor, but simply because this is my service to God. This is my good and acceptable and perfect rendering to God. My reasonable service to God. I'm giving myself to do this. 
I'm not thinking the way the world thinks, which is thank me. Which is, I work this morning, time for dinner. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how we think it in the flesh. But the, but the Lord is telling, uh, he, he's telling the disciples, no, 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 no. The issue is this. Get the measure right. Serve and serve and do the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And afterwards, don't expect a big hurrah. Don't expect uh, just simply honor the Lord with our life and give, us, give, give it all to Him. And just leave it all with Him. Right? It's His. We're His servants. If the Lord sends us into something, then just go and do it. And just keep doing it. And keep doing it. And keep doing it. And do it. Do all of it. And don't stop. And I... You know, and I wonder about this. And this just kind of came to me. And I, I got these pieces of this message and I'm thinking, Lord, this and then I realized, you know, maybe if we had the real servant's attitude, we wouldn't feel offended by what a fellow servant said to us. Right? Because we're servants. And we're just worried about pleasing the Lord. We're not worried about how how another servant is maybe having an attitude toward us or that that passing word, the that crosswise word or that that mystery uh, you know what did they mean or what are they trying to say or don't they know and and but a servant doesn't worry so much about that because they're just serving right and maybe that's how this all ties together and maybe that's the what the Lord is answering them he says if you just do this and get the servant part right and get it right all the way down to the bottom of what it means to be a servant then we're not going to be offended by the same thing seven times in a day. Because maybe we weren't right to be offended. Which is maybe why the person repented and we didn't accept it because we were looking for something else. And uh, maybe some, some kind of honor or whatever it was. Or a right or a privilege or something that we were due that we didn't get. But a servant doesn't have that feeling. Right? I mean, if you think of it as an ideal, it's hard to say, how can a servant be an ideal? Well, for the Lord, it is an ideal. And he was the servant. Right? He was among you that that served. Right? And and so, uh, maybe the Lord does answer it just in kind of that way. Is we got to take the right measure. And we just keep keep our eyes on the Lord and, and on... Our own doing the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in our own lives. Just see to that. And that's going to involve being right with people and doing right by people and uh, making things right with people. But, but we're just going to keep on carrying out that measure. And, and that's the main thing, right? We, it's not like, okay, we, we strictly we, we need our faith increased. It, it's that we need to get our servanthood increased, and we need to and we need to just give ourselves to do the will of God, which is really where Paul began in in, in chapter twelve. Right? We present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, 
We just give ourselves to God. And the Lord took, he, he took ownership when we got saved. He paid a very precious, very, very, very high price to buy us. And so we belong to him. So we, but we give ourselves to him for that reason. We just understand that our thinking's going to change and what we're talking about tonight, and I'm not even, I hope I'm on the right ground here and, and you can uh, disagree or correct me or find another way here, but, uh, but if, if the servanthood is to this degree, then that's another way that we need to be transformed by a renewing of our mind is into a, is into a, a deeper level Right, whatever level of, of of being a servant, there there's a deeper level for us to go, where the only thing that matters really is is serving God. And then take that measure of ourselves. Take that measure. How are we doing on just carrying out the will of God, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That's the only question. That's the only question. Are we doing that that God wants us to do? So our attention is on the Lord. I mean, if a servant, a servant's really, the eye is, is on the master, right? Again, it's an unusual relationship that's hard to even find in the world where, where a person is really so interested in the master's good. But that's what we're, what we're, what we're taught in the Bible. So the attention is not on ourselves, not on how long we've worked or not on whether we've been thanked or not on. Uh, but, but have we have we done all of the will of God? And if we have, then then we've just been a servant. That's all we've done. We haven't done more. Haven't, we, we've been uh, we're unworthy servants. We've done our duty and just be sure that we've done all of it, whatever that is for us at this time and going forward, just to be faithful to do that's the measure. That's the measure. And I, I suppose that we would just have to ask ourselves, and I ask myself, how, how are we doing by that measure? Are, are, we, are we just carrying out what the will of God is for our life as best as we understand it to be? And just staying on that and just continuing in that and just trying to do all of it because it's about doing all of it. It's perfect because it's got all the parts good and acceptable because it's the right thing because it's what God wants, what he'll receive. And it's perfect because it's just got all of it. We've done all that we're commanded to do. And then we just keep our attitude about ourselves. Wait, just keep it down to a servant level. And Paul, I mean the Lord, the Lord. I am among you as him, him that serveth. That's our example. He's our example. And maybe tie in with the morning and be, be followers of Christ. Be followers of Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the fact that you have just called us into the most amazing and marvelous relationship with yourself. Lord, to actually be sons, to be children of God. And to have that be a precious truth, not just be a story, not just be a a lovely expression, but that to be absolutely the truth. But at the same time that we ought to have 
this measure of ourselves. Simply your good and acceptable and perfect will and how we're doing by that measure. Lord, may you search us out in that question. And Lord, may you help us just to be honest and help us to recommit ourselves to being the servants that we ought to be and keeping it that simple that we serve a great and a worthy Lord that if we can't understand how one man can serve another when just everybody's flesh and blood and, and one is higher and one is lower and how did that ever happen? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about us, saved sinners, and the great and glorious God that we serve. So, Lord, help us to, to be searched out by, the, by these questions and to keep it to that simple, simple question, but deep question of how we are doing with carrying out the good and acceptable and perfect will, of finding that will, of offering ourselves to God to find that will. Where are we in all of that? That's the measure that you would have us to measure ourselves with according to the measure of faith as you have, have distributed that to each of us. Lord, may you bless our lives, may you encourage us, may you draw us closer into fellowship with you tonight. And if there are decisions that need to be made here, I pray, Lord, that you would help each, each of us to make those decisions. In Jesus' name, I pray.